Welcome to another Bar Talks podcast. We are talking today to a special guest, Mr. Rock Newman, executive producer and host of The Rock Newman Show. Um, and we're talking to him about inspiration. We're asking him what inspires him to his greatness. Um, welcome, Rock. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being able to spend time with you. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited to talk with you about this um, particular topic. Uh, I've just been kind of inspired to talk to others about inspiration and um, I've handpicked many people and you are one of those people because you yourself has inspired me. Uh, I watch you um, on your show. I watch you, you know, of course, on social media. I hear the things that you say, your beliefs, um, your views, and you just inspire me to, to my own greatness. Um, I could only wish to uh, curate and moderate um, conversations and interviews as you do. And so I am excited to get an opportunity to kind of pick your brain so you can share with the listeners um, about that person or place or a thing that has inspired you to that greatness. Well, I tell you, I will say again, in all sincerity, it's, it's an honor to uh, be able to uh, share with you. Um, I think that I would have to say there was an amalgamation of people and circumstances that helped set me on the path that led to some good things happening in my life. Yeah. Um, um, I'll tell you, early on, maybe when I was 12, around the time I was 12 years old, um, I read Man, Child in the Promised Land by Claude Brown. Nice. And that kind of gave me a <clears throat> different perspective of, of, of life and our struggle. I had grown up in a very um, rural area and didn't have a whole lot of exposure to political dynamics. And reading Manchow in the Promised Land just was like, uh, I mean, it was like cold water was poured on me. It was like shocking what was happening out there in the bigger world. And one might say in the concrete, concrete, concrete jungle of New York City. But I found it was a fascinating book. Claude Brown, of course, was a great writer. And that happened at the same time that I had become just an insane Cassius Clay fan who ultimately, as we all know, became Muhammad Ali. And I will tell you that as a singular individual, Ali had the greatest in, has had the greatest impact on my life and superseding all others, including my parents, friends, teachers, close friends, and otherwise, Ali and his his spirit, his boldness, his rule-bending and breaking attitude, his blackness, his, 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 his insistence on living life on his own terms. Um, 
his desire for something extremely radical. And one would ask, well, what was his desire that was so radical? It was equality. That's a very radical concept to those in power. And he spoke a plain, simple truth to power that the most uneducated peasant could understand. And that same uneducated peasant could be inspired. And this this peasant that you're talking to right now was greatly inspired, most greatly inspired by Muhammad Ali. And then following him becoming the champion, him becoming a Muslim, him defying all conventional wisdom about what he should do, he chose his own path. And then right on the heels of that dynamic force in my life, I read Sammy Davis Jr.'s book, his bio, was called Yes, I Can. Mm-hmm. And in reading that book and Sammy chronicling his life with his uncles and with the Will Maston trio and the struggles that they had as, as, as black men, as performers, you know, the struggles that he had with foreign substances, the struggle that he had with self-identity, the struggle he had when he tried to commit suicide and try to drive off a cliff, but a, a boulder stuck under the car and kept him from driving off the cliff, but it put his eye out. That's what put his, that's what put his eye out. Okay. And to, to read sort of that personal, intimate, look inside of his life and the bio titled Yes I Can it was titled Yes I Can because he overcame the worst struggles that descended upon him so I remember you know having a little little banner in my in my room you know I had I had Muhammad Ali photos all over the place. <laughs> and then I and I made a little banner. Uh, 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 it said, yes, I can. And it was above my bed. Every morning I woke up, I would see that above my bed. Yes, I can. And my, when my feet hit the floor, you know, I was walking out my room, walking out the door, believing, yes, I can. Whatever it is, I can do it. We can, I, we, you know, can make it. And so... I hope that's not too uh, long-winded of an no, answer. No, please. This is, this is wonderful. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, but um, when, when you pose that question, that's what I think of immediately sort of as a blossoming, as a blossoming child, you know, what led me to make the decisions that I made as a youngster. Um those uh those that's the foundation those that's the that's the three pillars that ultimately um uh anchored me to become someone who believed that I was somebody and that I could do big things yeah 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 you 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 i mean you're such a champion for the people and I have always wondered, you know, how did you become that? Um, and the conversations, I don't know, you know, people that may hear 
this may or may not know you, and I definitely encourage them to go out and look for the Rock Newman Show. But I mean, the conversations that you've tackled, the topics and the subject matter, and your passion for those conversations, um, I've always known that there was something there that has pushed you into that realm. And so you have a great belief in being able to achieve the things that you want, want to achieve. I love that about you. Uh, and the fact that you champion for the people. So maybe that's where some of that has come from when I'm hearing you talk about those two men um, in your life, you know, that influence you. You know, I'll tell you something. Um, when I was a little boy, I rooted for the Indians. I mean, when you had the Cowboys and Indians, I I I I, I rooted for the Indians. You know, I wanted Tonto to kick Kimosabi to kick, kick to, to to kick uh uh um the Lone Ranger in his butt. Um, and you know, I think part of that came from growing up in an area. It was really kind of like black and white, like black folks and white folks. You know wasn't much more, I mean, that's what it was out, out, out in the country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I used to go to a, uh, I, I used to go to a Catholic church, you know, as a five, six, seven year old. Mm-hmm. And I would unmistakably notice that, you know, white folks sat in the front of the church, yeah. light skinned blacks sat like in the middle mm-hmm. and the darker skinned uh, blacks sat in the rear and, and that just that just always blew my mind and I remember one day leaving out the aisle that I was in and there was a there were pews on the side of the altar so I just went up there I just went up there and sat there was no one else up there but I went up in there and sat and it, I mean, it, was, it just felt like, you know, it felt like something was wrong with that sort of system. And I couldn't articulate it. I didn't understand it, but I felt it. Yeah. And of course, you know, when my mother looks around and I was gone, she went and snatched me and said, well, you know, you're not supposed to be up there. And I've always been someone to ask the question, why? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I keep on asking why, if, and, and, you know, and there was never a satisfactory answer uh, to that question. And I saw uh, being sort of the, the, the light skinned individual that I am, I saw and was subjected to some raw hatred and racism that maybe a darker person wouldn't experience in the sense that white folks with their prejudices who didn't know that I was black would talk around me in an unguarded way. And you would see the just the raw, naked, diabolical racism and that just entrenched me into a space and into a position to try to always fight against that. Yeah. You know, I remember in 1968, um, I had tur- turned 16. And in the Olympics, when John Carlos and Tommy Smith stood atop, stood atop the, um, 
the, uh, getting their Olympic gold medals, and when they raise their fists and uh, in a Black Power salute, I could not wait to get to school the next day. We had a uh, football game, and I was on the football team, and I got all the brothers together and said, hey, you know, let's do that. And we did it. And of course, our white coaches just lost their mind. Oh, my God. They, <laughs> they, they, they lost their mind. And about that time, you know, I started sneaking off going to Black Panther meetings uh, that were being held at Prince George County Community College. And um, so, you know, I, I, again, going back to Ali, who was so bold in his pronouncements of his beliefs and as I said, his demands for equality and a change in, you know, our stature from second class citizens. So I was rooted, I was just rooted in sort of the black power movement or the black power movement was rooted in me. And uh, Queenie, I will tell you, something happened to me about a year ago where Professor Ron Daniels, um, just an activist for the last 50 years or so, um, I was interviewing him and he casually said at one point, well, Rock, you are a race man. Now, I had heard the term race man through the years. No one had ever, you know, said that I was. I didn't think of myself in that way. I'm always, I always point out what I think are the racial angles to what might be any subject that we're talking about because race and racism so pervades everything that we do in this country. And he said, you know, so when he, after he said to me, I was a race man, I thought about it for, for probably a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And I looked up the term and I may not give justice to the definition of it right now, but it was something akin to, you know, making sure, acknowledging, seeing, looking at the world through a prism and an understanding that white supremacy is a universally diabolical sin and a fearlessness not to point that out and to acknowledge it in all things. Mm -hmm. So that might not have been what the classical definition was. That's what you took from it though. But I'm trying to, that's yeah. what I, that was my takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I was like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll wear that title. I, 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 I will unapologetically wear that title. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, um, you know, the, those that are going to be listening to this, um, I want them to not just hear us, but I want them themselves to um, reflect on people that have inspired them and their takeaway from it all. Uh, I know we're all still evolving. We're all still growing. No matter where we are in our life, we're still um, becoming, as uh, mm -hmm. Michelle Obama has so brilliantly stated um, right. and so I would like to ask you one other question which is um, if you could just give me a little piece of that one of the most rewarding things that 
you have learned from those people that have uh, mentored or um, motivated you or inspired you? Just one little piece of that, one of those most rewarding things that you've taken from it. Yeah. Let me uh, see. Tough questions, I know. No, 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 you, no, no. Let me, let me, let, let, let me answer it this way. Okay. In 1993, the guy that I was representing as the, as, as manager and promoter in the boxing world, who had become the heavyweight champ, undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, uh, he won the title on November the. 13th, 1992. He defended it for the first time in uh, Riddick Bow, I'm talking about. He defended it for the first time in Madison Square Garden on February the 6th, um, 1993. And you know, the, the adage, you know, charity begins at home. Mm-hmm. We had hit the jackpot. It was like, it was like we had struck a gold mine. And so we went from, you know, financial, real financial difficulty and struggles to seeming like we had all the money that was needed, you know, for the rest of our lives. I mean, we had, we had really uh, hit the jackpot. He, he signed, we signed the biggest contract in the history of individual sportsmen uh, at that time. And so after he won the title, after he defended the title for the first time on February, uh, February 6, 1993, uh, 12 days later, we took off to go to South Africa. We had been supporting the anti-apartheid struggle for years. I had been. Um, and we did everything that we could from the platform that we had to bring attention to the atrocities and to try to knock down the walls of of apartheid Mm -hmm. from again from from our platform what we can do Mm -hmm. and so we had an an opportunity to go and to continue to support in person uh with finances the african national congress in south africa in south in johannesburg and there uh, we met someone who was a big boxing fan, uh, who knew a lot about what we were doing, who was ultimately so appreciative of the support that we had privately and pu- publicly given the National, African National Congress. We spent a, I spent a lot of time with Nelson Mandela. Oh my goodness. You- and, you know, I mean, we have a, had a private dinner at his lawyer's house. He had been released. Yeah. from prison but at that time he remember he did not become president until 1994 right so um we had an, i had an opportunity to spend a, a a lot of time with him and that was one of sort of like almost like a dream come true <laughs> and 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 spending time with he and his, his humanity and his his energy and his spirit it really it changed my life and we can have that i can tell you how in another conversation yes, yes but the next but after being with him three days we flew over to um we flew to uh to kenya to nairobi just to spend the night uh i had arranged for uh americares and uh hbo and espn and our team had put together package where 
we were able to deliver over a million dollars worth of food and medical supplies to a war-torn, famine-torn Somalia. So we flew over on on the cargo plane uh, with the supplies and with the medicine because we didn't want we want I wanted to make sure that our efforts to put all of this together that those in the camp in the refugee camps and those most in need got it. So once the plane landed in Mogadishu, now keep in mind, this is during the time of Black Hawk Down and and when the war is going on, the Civil War is going on there. And um, so each of us were assigned like a military, you know, convoy truck and that sort of thing. So we we unloaded the cargo. And one of my team, one of my people on my team accompanied each truck because they were, you know, they were going to different places right. to make sure that the right people got the stuff. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the refugee camp that I went in literally had kids there who were maybe a day or two away from starvation and death. And I remember hold, holding one of the babies that you know, was 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 most ill. And I mean, I, I cradled yeah. this little baby that might have been, I mean, maybe he was a year and a half old, but you know, so malnourished and the rest. And I held him while, he, you know, he was able to get some of the formula that we hoped would save some of their lives. And as I was holding him, I looked in his eyes and it took everything that I had not to collapse, wow. to see his vulnerability and to see how politics mm-hmm. and just ungodly behavior, the, imp- the impact, mm-hmm. he was the quintessence of the impact that a lack of humanity has. Yeah, wow. And so my greatest takeaway probably from all of it we went on later to, to to meet the Pope and to you know be at a soccer game where we kicked out a you know kicked out the first ball with a hundred thousand roaring fans and visited the troops and all of that. But that moment with that very vulnerable baby is something that is seared into my essence. Where no matter what. I want to keep my humanity at its highest level and try to foster and to do things where where people around me's humanity is raised also. Yeah. That is so beautiful. I feel it all in my spirit. I love <laughs> sharing that story. Um, you can just feel it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and lastly, you know, I, you live such a broad and beautiful life. And um, I know you've had your ups and your downs. Yes. You, have, you share so much of yourself in conversation. And, you know, I'm thankful. I don't take any of it for granted. Um, you're normally interviewing. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm blessed to be able to uh, interview you. I hope I'm doing okay. <laughs> 
give, I, I give you high marks. Thank you so much. <laughs> but um, before we go, I just would like to see if you would have anything else to add for someone that may be listening. And, you know, right now, you know, I'll, I'll date this um, show because we're currently dealing with the COVID situation. Mm-hmm. And we're all on lockdown and we're doing quarantine and life as we know it has changed. Um, and you know, some people will hear this and they'll be coming out of maybe some depression. Some may be coming out of loss. Some may be coming out of trying to figure out, you know, their next move. Entrepreneurship is, you know, kind of depends on the industry you're in. All of that is, you know, it's become very vulnerable. Um, so do you have a word to leave or message or even just a quote that you may like to leave to someone that? Well, I will try this. Um, When I talked about seeing above my bed every morning that I woke up as a 12 and 13, 14 year old, 15, yes, I can. That helped me to deliver along with, again, the person that had the most influence on my life, Muhammad Ali. That that had me, helped me to, 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 uh, to lock into a great attitude and I think an irrepressible spirit. So what I would leave uh, your listeners with would be, it's something that sounds cliche-ish and trite. It's just so true and it's so powerful that your, that your attitude will in a great way help to determine your altitude how you look at things, how you perceive things, how you see things, how you see yourself, your attitude. You know, they talk so much about seeing the glass half or seeing the glass half full, or if you believe you can, or you believe you can't, whichever one you believe, you're right. If you believe you can't, that's a bad attitude. That's the wrong attitude. But if you believe you can, then you typically find a way around, over, or under, or through any obstacle that comes forth. A great attitude sees a problem as a challenge to solve. A bad attitude sees a problem as a reason to quit. Knock that boulder out of the way. Push it push it away, jump over it, go or swing around it, go whatever it takes, your attitude, look at it with an attitude, look at life with an attitude that says, I'm moving on up, like George Jefferson and his crew was doing back in the day, I'm going to move on up, I'm going to that next step, I can, I will, I shall, ultimately, because we have a God force that is within us that allows us to do all things. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rock Newman. I am just so, so happy to have had this time with you. Um, I don't know exactly if you're on, are you on IG? Just in case the listeners want to try to follow you. Cause I know you're always dropping amazing things. Um, and I, I hate to share you, but I must just. <laughs> uh, um, you know what? I, I actually, I'm not 
I don't do IG or okay. Twitter. Or you Twitter. Know, I'm an old school Facebook guy. So yeah, yeah, yeah. They can sure look me up on, on, on Facebook. And I would encourage <clears throat> any of them, anyone that is listening to uh, go to Rock Newman YouTube page okay. and pretty much all the shows that I've done yeah. uh, tackling, uh, dealing with uh, many, many subjects yeah. uh, you can find at the Rock Newman Show YouTube page. Thank you so, so much. Okay, listeners, thank you for joining us. I hope you were blessed with this conversation. Um, I look forward to bringing more to you. Uh, continue to stay inspired, continue to be an inspiration, and continue to look for it in everywhere and everyone that you come across. This is your girl, Queenie. I am out. Thank you again, Mr. Rockin' Room. Uh, thank you. Have a great day.